0: When everyone's waiting to see who will score the first goal, and it's Cincy? It's that some MLS, a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates and Nick Thornton. Nick, how are you? I'm doing
1: all right. Sort of, uh, I'm having difficulties in the VAR room over here, but <laughs> I'm, ready, I'm ready to talk some soccer. All my you systems have-, have failed, but I've got... This is the nice thing about doing podcasts for a while is I have like nine different possible combinations of backups. So it's just, <laughs> a, just a case of being like, which one is it going to be? So figuring it out.
0: Switch to a backup. Um, you have just returned from Atlanta.
1: Yes, uh, I just got in last night. Um, and it turns out Atlanta's a great city. Like, believe the hype. It's fantastic. Um, Unfortunately, while I I was going for other reasons, and other than soccer, that is, and so Atlanta was playing away against Montreal, and then also, unfortunately, I was very graciously invited to the away viewing party um, by an Atlanta supporters supporters group, and the timing of things just did not work out, because I was out with some friends, and... I thought I was closer to the place than I was. So it didn't work out. But (laughs) overall, um, walking around Atlanta, I was really pleasantly surprised at, well, I guess maybe not surprised, but there was just so much support for the club everywhere. Like you saw Atlanta United flags everywhere. um, And like the logo was all around the city and people really love the team. And every conversation that I had with people who um, supported the club, like, they know their soccer, too. So I feel like Atlanta fans have kind of gotten this bad rap as being a bit spoiled um, after their not-so-stellar start to the season this year. But um, I was just, like, really, really impressed, and I can't wait to go back to Atlanta. And definitely on the bucket list is seeing a game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium.
0: Yeah, I, I know if they if they had, had a game, they must have been able to find a place to, to, to jam you in there in that um, uh, in that big old building they have.
1: <laughs> in that big old building,
0: I was I was by the way uh, four days old, or not today, but uh, today years old, but four days years old when I learned that that big video screen uh, that is at games is actually a. A curtain that hides the upper deck, like the White Gaps games. Mm. <laughs> great. It's really nice. It's really nice. I think it's a great thing that they did. Um, but uh, but I definitely agree. I think that sometimes, just because, and I think that maybe this is something that's true of a bunch of expansion teams, especially expansion teams that didn't have lower division sides to begin with, um, that it, I feel like I don't have as many Atlanta fans in my network you know, like I, I yeah. you, you pick people up from internet, You, you know people from internet communities. You, you, uh, you get acquainted with with fans' as presences. But I don't necessarily have as many Atlanta contacts. So, it must have. What, what do, what do What do Atlanta fans like?
1: What do Atlanta fans like?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, like what, what, are, what, like you know, uh, I have, I have been, you know, lucky enough to watch, uh, with fans from the pacific northwest mm-hmm. i've been lucky enough to watch games live with fans from uh southern ontario and i would say that they both have different sets of likes and dislikes and, and, and mm-hmm. approaches to the game would you would you say that you detected anything like that in your discussions or 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 what what was something that you might have noticed on that front
1: well one of the big things that i noticed is um so resurgence atlanta were the ones that uh, reached out to me when I was just sort of like, Atlanta, I'm coming into town. Like, what's up, fans? I want to talk soccer. Um, and Resurgence Atlanta were the first to reach out, and they were the supporters group that were really leading the um, anti-fascist and front in Atlanta. A number of members serve bands as part of that. And the the overwhelming sense that I got from fans is that there's a real connection with the players. It's not just a, Hey, we won the shiny trophy thing and we're really good. It's like people really have a lot invested in the players. Um, and the type of respect that you see the players give back to Atlanta, it feels very genuine. There's an obvious like real connection between the players and the fans. Um, and I think generally a sense of optimism around the club, I mean, and how could there not be when you have somebody like Joseph Martinez at the helm? Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I kind of wanted to mention is my trip was sort of oddly timed with, um, some more great social media content around Joseph Martinez. (laughs) And I'm just like, I sent, I think I sent you a thing.
0: Um,
1: And it was a part of the Kick Childhood Cancer campaign. So, of course, like, I'm ready to cry before anybody's even released a video. But I'm just going to come out and say it. I think I like Joseph Martinez now.
0: Whoa! Like,
1: don't get me me wrong. I'm still going to call him out every time I see him flopping around in the box. But he hasn't even done much of that this season. He's just been scoring in the box. But he's really obviously got a lot invested in the city of Atlanta and the club and on top of that he also released a statement about why he didn't want to play for or he's going to refuse call-ups to the um, Venezuelan national team and at first glance when players do that kind of thing it seems sort of self-serving but it's a really well-articulated thing about just sort of like toxic coaches and team cultures that you don't want to play in and I think that speaks so highly of the club culture that he's used to that it's raised his standards for what he's expecting being treated as a professional. And it was very clear to say in his statement that he's like, you know, I don't care if I'm sitting in the stands on the bench or playing like I'm there to be a part of the Venezuelan national team, but you know, at a certain point, if something's not like healthy for your mental state, then you can't be a part of it. And that takes a lot of guts to say something like that, um, because a lot of people could just easily turn on you and say, you know, like, oh, well, suck it up. And I, I definitely respect that statement and that you should enjoy your soccer and that you, even if you're a professional athlete representing your country, yes, it's a huge honor, but that doesn't mean that you have to put up with toxic people. And it opens a very interesting discussion, I think, about that culture in sports. And it's interesting because I saw a number of reports this week about um, in Canadian and American youth sports, how there's been this massive drop of kids that are playing organized sports, including soccer. And I, I don't think there's a disconnect between, you know, these toxic coaching atmospheres and team cultures and why people don't want to play the
0: game. Well, we don't know a lot of we don't know a lot that's going on in, in Canada. We have this issue right now where Bob Kaylee Humphreys has has requested and, and has been granted her release from Bob Canada Skeleton. Um mm-hmm. it to because of what she says was a was a similarly toxic situation. There's a lot in there, so we're not gonna go look up that situation if you're interested. And the the other thing and and this is not based on this is only based on, you know, my thoughts is that we saw Sydney LaRue um, come back to soccer. She she made her return for the Orlando Pride um, three months after giving birth, I believe. Um, and in the time that she had been away, kind of, it's like we. I think that 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 she has been the target of um, of negative attention from from Canadian fans. for for choosing to play for the States. Um, And in the time that she's been away, we've learned a lot about what the Canadian youth programs were like in the time that she was a a youth player for Canada. And I think that that that's something to really, you know, um, that's something to really read. Okay, well, a little bit earlier, but because I think that she... When did she... I don't know when she specifically switched. I think she... Uh, she was in a, a BC select team in, in 2005 and, and moved to in, in 2007, 2008. So, but I think that it's time to sort of reassess that situation as well. Yeah.
1: I mean, And that's my takeaway here is, is just that there's an opportunity to have a, a serious conversation and a serious look at how youth development systems and academies have been Um, professionalized, and, you know, maybe the standards of coaches has not met that professionalism, and also instances where the fun of the game has been sucked out. I mean, I feel like we're kind of throwing a lot of different issues together here, so I don't want to, like, overly simplify or complicate, and, and that's not what you're doing. But just all of this to say getting back to Joseph Martinez, um, that it takes guts to say the things that he said. And I think it does open up a really interesting conversation. And I, I, I just really respect somebody taking that stand and putting good soccer and good culture over just the accolades and the glory and what everybody else thinks you should do. It's not an easy thing to do, and uh, and I, when we see it happen, we need to be able to, to stand behind those players and support them in that. And, I mean, for, for that reason and for a lot of others, I've decided Joseph Martinez is an okay person, and <laughs> also, as it turns out, very, very good at his footballing, but, which there was an awful lot of uh, since we talked to our lovely listeners last
0: it's true. The other thing, the, before we, we get on to games, there's one more important thing that you brought up was the, the, the push against um, the, the, the hashtag an iron front push um, or a united front push in, in the anti-fascist organizing, um, which since the last time we spoke has, has had a result. Yes, that's right. So this was
1: such a weird kind of news item, but uh, I guess MLS and uh, a bunch of was it the Independent Supporters Group Union or can you fact
0: back, back check me? Okay, my... uh, the, they had met with a number of of, of groups, including uh, the three, the ECS Guerrilla FC and Timbers Army. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the that's the two Seattle's groups and a Portland group. And leaders from, according to this article I am reading from ESPN, leaders from the Independent Supporters Council, Mm. um, which is kind of represents everyone, and there was a a follow up call, uh, and they said that the 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 those four groups in MLS jointly announced the formation of a working group by MLS to review the fans' code of conduct, uh, the league's fan code of conduct, to ensure clarity and consistency in advance of the twenty twenty season. Um, dot, dot, dot. As part of this decision, MLS has suspended the prohibition on Iron Front imagery at matches for the balance of the 2019 season in Audi MLS Cup playoffs, while the working group uh, conducts its analysis. Mm-hmm. Of course, as you brought up with Atlanta, um, as, as much as it's important to involve the, the, um, the Northwest groups, everybody has pitched in. And, and, and many, many teams and, and cities believe in this as well. So I'm glad to hear that the ISC will have a hand in that.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that that's what these groups and the ISC have been asking for this entire time. Um, so it's expected that MLS would turn around and be like, hey, we have an idea. But... Um, it's good to finally see things moving in a positive direction and let that be a lesson to y'all. If there's folks out there who are like, well, I don't get it. You know, what do you expect getting banned if uh, you come in with a certain type of banner? Uh, you know, it turns out collective action can sometimes lead to positive change.
0: And, And it's so, this is something that I think, and we've talked about this over the course of, of, of this movement and this, this issue flaring up, um, it's something really special about soccer that that fans are willing to um, to fight for what's right and, and to to take a stand in in what happens at grounds. And I think that uh, as we saw with NWSL, having the supporters um, intimately involved in the formation of a code of conduct will help prevent these problems. Absolutely um as you mentioned though lots of games we yeah we've, we've, where do we
1: want to start there's just I, so
0: much to choose from i was i was really sad almost in a way to to realize that this is the this was the penultimate weekend when i saw that i didn't i didn't realize until halfway through saturday that oh all the games are at the same yeah uh, all the games are at two times on sunday so because we're we're almost done here it was almost a. I feel it's that almost a, bit a sad too. moment like, for me.
1: I know. I, I kind of get a little bit sad around the end of, uh, like, regular MLS season two. Like, it, it's sort of like, oh, what? <laughs> like, once the table takes its final shape and we're in the playoffs, it's it feels like something very different. But I kind of like seeing the table move around.
0: <laughs> the, um, uh, the, the the most conclusive thing that happened all weekend was was the firming up of the Eastern Conference table. Mm-hmm. I had I had sent you a message with this detailed explanation of why I thought that <laughs> I Orlando... Felt
1: so, I felt so bad after this weekend because I was like, you put in so much work to figure out the ways in which Orlando could clinch that final playoff spot, and they ended up in 11th. <laughs> despite,
0: despite being fourth out, I had this feeling that that it would be two, th- two key things, uh, two key things would happen that new England could not possibly get a result at, uh, against New York city and next week, uh, uh, against Atlanta and that Orlando couldn't possibly fail to get a result at Cincinnati. <laughs> and both of those things went completely the opposite way. Uh, New England completed what has been a remarkable turnaround um, in the course of the year, spurred by the hiring of Bruce Arena uh, to beat beating New York City two nothing and, and ending any ambiguity about the the three teams that lay beneath them in the schedule. Yeah, uh, and, and qualifying for the playoffs for the first time since what I believe is 2015 at home.
1: And I'd love to start there with New England because, uh, I mean, it's a very worthy place to start. <laughs> um, I mean, and earlier in the week, too, they had this draw with Portland, which wasn't a great game in truth. Um, but as, as you speak to, like, what Bruce Arena has been able to do with this team is such a testament to coming in... Quickly identifying what are the team's strengths, what are the individual player's strengths, finding ways to bolster that, getting buy-in, but then playing your team to those strengths. Yes, of course, the signing of Gustavo bow obviously helped.
0: Um, uh-huh.
1: But to see, you know, a player like Teal Bunbury, who we've, we've talked about in previous seasons as being such a good underrated player... Um, Bruce Arena is able to get the best out of him, and he's able to get the best out of his entire team. Um, In terms of the goalkeeping as well, Matt Turner has just been incredible, Um, and it's clear that there's a lot of confidence humming for this team right now. You know, the Portland game probably was one that they should have won, but as we know, Portland can always throw a wrench in your plans, and you never quite know what's going to happen. But... The result against New York City. This game was massive. Um, Teal Bunbury's just mad like wonder goal first of all to get the go- the goal scoring going, and Absolutely. then this this chip from um, from Boo's just Bo, not Boo, Bo Gustavo Bo.
0: Fantastic, fantastic.
1: But it's just it's. Obs- I mean, he's just so aware of where the goalkeeper is and just chips it so perfectly. Um, this to me was such a shining example of how like MLS is a wild, wild game because new England, (laughs) new England on their day do look like as good a team as any in MLS. Um, and, you know, they're maybe not as flashy about it all the time, but these two goals scored and the way they played against uh, New York City FC, who have been fantastic all season long. Um, you know, they beat Atlanta 4-1 earlier in the week. So they looked a little bit laggy. Uh, I'll give them that. That this game, I think they maybe put uh, pulled back a little. Yeah. Not, not really needing a result. They also celebrated their... Um, they're complete. They're um, taking over the top of the table, even though they lost this the game. Eastern Conference. They secured being champions of the Eastern Conference, and are going into the playoffs in fine form. They also have the like this amazing goal differential t- right. uh, of plus twenty, um, which is mm. certainly in comparison to the plus 46 of LAFC, but that's a different, you know, LAFC is LAFC.
0: It's true. Um, and, and you think about it, you know, if you think that they're holding back, that that you have to hope that that is the case because they seal up that first spot where they will, as of, uh, as of current positions, if everything holds face new England.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that could be an interesting tie. The, Jumping around a little bit here, do you have anything else you want to add about New England? I just love talking about
0: New England. I think it's great for the fans. Like I like like I've I've told the story on the show before, but when I first started following the league, New England was very strong, and and I think that those uh, the fans down there are great, and I'm so happy to have them uh, to to see a team for them uh, that can really impress, especially given the fact that they um. They had it had been so bad to start the year, yeah. But they managed a remarkable turnaround that everybody can be really proud of.
1: Yeah, and and again, truly, just like it's so easy to to sit back and say, "Oh, you, we need to buy this player, and we need to spend here, and do this, and do that." But truly, this just shows how powerful having a good coach come in and who can get the team to agree on things (laughs) and get the buy-in for how they should be playing um, is really a special quality. Everybody thinks they can coach a team. Everybody thinks they can do better than the current coach of teams. Uh, Bruce Arena really is uh, uh, in a league of his own um, that... I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Like, I think it's probably a little bit insulting to his career and his soccer intelligence that people are like, oh, I guess Bruce Arena still has it." Um, <laughs> it's a pretty good track record with one pretty big but pretty minor dip. All things considered, but
0: what one of I the thinking, Rebo- by the way, I was saying earlier, uh, City would face New England. Of course, they wouldn't. City have a first round bye.
1: Oh yeah. Well, that makes it's com- sense.
0: It's confusing.
1: <laughs> it's so confusing. I'm honest I don't even follow it. I'm just waiting for them to put the playoff matchups out so I can be like, oh, that's who's facing who. Um one of the revelations I had this week, which I feel is like a Nick's new spicy, not so spicy take, is I think I have a team that I'm willing to call as MLS Cup champions.
0: Oh that's spicy.
1: Right. Now, of course, I'm doing this a little bit tongue-in-cheek because truly, it's MLS, anything could happen. I think it's New York City. I think that even given the result against New England, they didn't need that win. They'd already played a game midweek. The way they dominated Atlanta and just the whole season, they are the the real deal. <laughs> and I, I really think that they have what it takes certainly to to finish top of the Eastern Conference in the playoffs but i think we can all safely assume they if New York City FC goes through they're probably going to be facing LAFC and i just don't see a team in the west that they can't beat pretty easily now that they've really found their system and worked out their kinks. Definitely, they've had games where they've shown that they can be scored against and beaten, but to me, they look like the most complete championship-like team at this moment going into the playoffs.
0: They really would need to, to, to face LAFC uh, for a lot of things because we've, we've uh, been privy to this Strange sequence of events that's taken place, where uh, they may have to play at City Field for some of all of the playoffs. Yeah, um, the the uh, the Athletic had reported on the twenty sixth that, as has had happened before for New York City, the New York Yankees' presence in the playoffs pro- poses a problem for them, mm-hmm. um, being it being in that uh, uh, a stadium. The They've come out today with this list of places that they reveal stadium playoff stadium plan for potential Yankees conflict. And it, it spells out the ways that the, the, the ways in which they can be play at Yankee stadium for the Eastern conference semifinal and final, or that they would have to play at city field, which is where the Mets play. Um, what it doesn't mention is that Yankee stadium is booked for the day after MLS cup. Oh, um that could be a problem for for college football uh, at the same time as a golf tournament is ba- is booked for city field so so they they've uh, they've left that one out but i guess if it's new york city versus lafc in the mls cup uh, playoff finals um then we're then we're in, in we're in front form
1: yeah um the last point I wanted to, to put into this as well is just um, going back to New York City's midweek game um, Mitrita's first two goals are just oh, wow. so insanely brilliant and I my other spicy take this week is just that I think Mitrita is the MVP this season. In terms of his value to a team um, no of course he doesn't have the, the same goal scoring as Carlos Vela or Ibrahimovic um, or Joseph Martinez. But in terms of what he's able to do on this team, both as a teammate and as just a singular entity, it's pretty hard to argue against. Um, you know, this new... The the Torrent era of New York City FC, again. he's just built such a perfectly balanced team. Um, they're one of the few teams in MLS that really looks like they understand the defensive principles and... And, and stick to it. And they just have... matrita has got this brilliance about him. Um, and obviously the skill to match. But I just... Those two goals to me are... As, two goals... Like as good as you will see this season.
0: In his first... Uh, in his first year too with the club. Um, I, I You have served up these spicy takes. How could you say something so controversial yet so brave?
1: <laughs> I know. Hashtag so brave
0: um the the, i'm very interested in this i've always kind of you know had a uh when when you look at new york city thought that they are they've 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 always found this way to kind of mess it up in the end um but they've Mm -hmm. got great players and they've found a way to have them working together so it'll be really interesting to see if anybody can break them down um, we haven't I don't think we've seen them collide with Toronto FC um, in the last few seasons because I, uh, because last year was not the best year for TFC. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that would be they had to, traditionally, I think, um, clashed in the playoffs and TFC spoiled a lot of potentially good days for New York City. Um, in their sort of first period of ascendancy. Absolutely. So it will be um, interesting to it's... see who, what the matchups are like once the playoffs actually begin. Definitely. The, uh, I thought that was interesting. As, as mentioned, you know, with all of these Eastern Conference games taking place at the same time, um, the, I was sitting in the, the laundromat watching the scores on my phone, uh, and <laughs> the fact that it, it was zero, 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 0 all the way through. And oh, then yeah. with like, like less than 10 minutes left, it's halftime Cincinnati score. And with halftime, Cincinnati is the only team to score a goal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just, wow. That was a 1-1 a draw at home. Uh was saved onto the crossbar and out. It's, it's Cruz who buries it. Um, Roe cleans out... It, the the thing that's that's crazy to me, or especially given that Orlando's the team in in contention, is that you could have pointed that that with that crossbar, and also uh, Brian Rowe clears cleans out Roland Lama, mm-hmm. which could have been a penalty. So Cincinnati could have had three.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, and this was such a, a weird game for that. Is that. I mean, it kind of made sense that Cincinnati was going to be the team to score on Sunday and, like, break this deadlock of 0 across the Eastern Conference and across the league. Um, but it was a t- sort of still, like, characteristically Cincinnati performance in many ways, that there's, like, three or four players who are playing to win, um, and the rest of the team just seems to be on their own schedule but for Orlando too like what do you even say i just feel so disheartened for the fans that Orlando just continues to find a way to farf things up for themselves um it's it's just absolutely horrifying defending the goal that they give up like it's it just they're just so so bad yes um benji gets his goal late uh, and is able to salvage a point for Orlando but It didn't matter. This is a game that just should have been open and shut, and they could have come in and won it. Now, granted, I think the way other things shook out, particularly with New England, um, it wasn't going to happen for them. But they really just took themselves out of contention. And being a Whitecaps fan, I can empathize with Orlando. Uh, uh, uh. Because it really is, it's like it's Orlando's own doing. That, like, they've been their achilles heel this season they just find a way to lose games and they've had promising moments but um whether it's just due to lack of concentration um or or something deeper with the team i think i need to take a closer look at what their tactics have looked like this season but defensively they've just been a complete and utter mess like i i have no idea what the system is um and I'm sort of amazed they were able to scrape a point out of this game. If only for the fact that they're playing Cincinnati.
0: I I feel that that um, midweek results don't mm. always or midweek midweek competition results don't always factor into the league because sometimes you you'll you'll see that players are out and the, there's different sets of players in the midweek games, but Toronto and Montreal's Canadian Championship final. Really seems to have affected both teams a great deal. <laughs> uh, this was a game that I, I caught the sort of the back, um, the back end of. After uh, Chris Mavinga got sent off after after uh, allowing the penalty in the previous league game, um, Toronto had scored at home in the the the, the home at home series to to push things. Uh, they just completely cut out. I guess in this competition, no extra time. No um, added time after 90 minutes. They just went right to penalties after 90 minutes. Oh,
1: that's weird.
0: And Toronto FC, for the third time, stepped up to claim a championship on penalties and utterly bottled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with it. with Josie Altidore uh, hitting the crossbar going out, and Clement Diop who has not played a single game in MLS for Montreal since he has arrived with the team, I think, two years ago, um, saved two penalties. Somebody's telling me, I was I was told maybe that the second one was not a save, that it, that it also went off the bar. Mm. But I was looking at MLS Cup winning goalkeeper Alex Bono and Clement Diop and thinking, oh no, Montreal are in... Montreal are in tough here, but the but Diop was an absolute hero, uh, in 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 creating a little bit more perhaps of a, of a complex for Toronto on this issue. Toronto said, "Oh, well, we don't really practice penalty kicks too much because you don't run into them that often, just in championship finals."
1: <laughs> yeah, truly. I mean, they've definitely been carrying the monkey on their back on on this one. I mean, I really would have loved to watch some of this, but it was really hard to actually watch it because no one was carrying this series at all.
0: Uh, um, one soccer. The one soccer. The oh, yeah.
1: The right. Um,
0: that was how I saw it. Is this cup still relevant? Do we need this? Um, I think it's been, actually, I'm, I'm willing to go to bat. Well, I will always have a great amount of of reverence for this because of you know it's how i got into it's how i got into the game
1: mm.
0: my my first two live pro games were were um Vancouver Montreal and Vancouver tfc in what the, in the Canadian championship um back when both Montreal and Vancouver were in the second division and the um i think Sometimes it's felt like it's scraping for relevance because, because, you know, midweek, people aren't talking about it, the attendance is not there, and, and it had been sometimes the same clubs at all the same times. But mm-hmm. this year, I feel, has been better than ever in terms of... In term, it does feel to a certain degree that the Campiel part of the competition and the part of the, the part of the competition with MLS Cups... MLS teams were practically separate parts,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, despite the presence of of, of a couple of, of clashes between Calvary and, and Vancouver, and Calvary knocked Vancouver out. Uh, and, and York Nine did not knock out um, Montreal. We're not quite the, we're not quite there yet, where where it is a U.S. Open Cup level of competition. But I actually enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. More this year than I have for many years.
1: I th- okay, uh, that's fair. I think then what I'll add to this is like if we're gonna make it relevant, it's like P- it's got to be picked up by somebody. Like it's got to be possible to watch it outside of paying twenty five dollars a month for one soccer. Um, I get it's, what they're tra- one
0: soccer is one soccer is ten bucks a month.
1: It is, yes. man. Why doesn't somebody fact check me before the shows? All right. Well, considering <laughs> as considering a One Soccer subscriber, all of my other subscriptions, maybe I should just shut up and pay the ten bucks a month to get One Soccer. Is what I'm hearing. Um, it's tough. I, I
0: mean, t- like the 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 KPL season is almost over. Some, so so yeah. uh, the it is the home. Uh, it is the home of uh, of Canadian Premier League. All um, Canadian w- uh, men's and women's national team home games, all Canadian championship games, and crucially, I noticed they. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't remember hearing a lot of fanfare about this. Uh, Liga Emma Ekis is now available on the service as well.
1: Oh damn!
0: Okay. So well, that's huge.
1: There's some free advertising for them uh, I will get <laughs> into this. Okay, this last piece though, I know that it. I can actually back this one up. Is maybe they just need to get a better trophy? Because the trophy, I don't <laughs> like trophies with a wooden base. It like I know it's kind of old school, but it looks like you know, it's like the con Smythe Trophy in NHL. Like it's just clunky. I want some like slick, like cooler, like and like larger than MLS Cup trophy for this
0: I relatively don't wanna, small
1: thing. Something really uh... like like simple, but just. Large and audacious.
0: I don't want to be. I don't want to be audacious. Canadian fan story time. But I, but I gotta, but I gotta step in and explain the, why that would, why it is the way it is. Step uh, in, Grandpa. So, so essentially, at a time when there were only three Canadian, I think I'm pretty sure only three Canadian teams, the the Whitecaps, the Impact, and the Toronto Lynx, and they all played in the USL. This was after the the collapse of the Canadian Soccer League. Canadian supporters felt that there needed to be some way to recognize a um, this is this is in two thousand this is in two thousand two. Canada had just won the Gold Cup, and there had been a um, uh, there had been an interest, an uptick in interest in soccer in the country, um, and we had these teams and there was, there had to be a thought, well, we've got to find a way to, um, we've got to find a way to to recognize uh, Canadian teams. So it had been competed for by the teams that were in USL during the course of the regular season um, based on their regular season results. And the cup itself Mm -hmm. actually was fundraised by members of the Voyagers uh, supporters group, the, the Canadian Soccer Supporters Group's internet forum. Fans bought this stuff with their own money. They raised, four th- three, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, thirty-five hundred to four thousand dollars donated to make it commission that trophy. Which is why they there is a supporter that comes and delivers it for the trophy presentation. So I understand when you say, ah, oh, it looks it looks so.
1: Uh, I am going to get eaten alive when this goes to air.
0: <laughs> it looks so junky. It was because it was paid for by 200 fans in 2002.
1: I said clunky, not junky. And also,
0: <laughs> forgiveness
1: is a virtue. <laughs> listeners. It's always good to learn. I have humility. And uh, I am completely wrong about this entire thing, it turns out. And we'll never again comment on... Anything about Canadian soccer, unless it's agreeing with Andrew Bates.
0: I'm sorry about the story. That the story time had to had to, no, had to impart that kind really of did. lesson. But. It's,
1: it's, it's especially because I was like, well, I got at least one thing that I can say that's true. Nope. <laughs> the most untrue thing, in fact. Wow. Well, Wow. Both- Ignorance is bliss, though, isn't it? For a moment, I was so happy in my without knowledge. Prior to having knowledge, I was so happy. Uh,
0: both teams, okay. both teams coming off of this result, um, I feel had uh, that impacted their approaches to their games on the weekend. Uh, Toronto came into their game with Chicago with the possibility that they could potentially secure a home playoff date. Um, and Chicago came into this with the possibility that they could qualify for the playoffs. As you mentioned in the last game, um, New England winning rendered all other possibilities moot. They mm-hmm. it, no no wins would have counted anyways. but um neither team were able to uh, come up with the result given those uh, given those stakes, and it was a two two draw.
1: My notes for this game just, is uh, there's a period between each one of these words. This was not a good game of soccer. (laughs) Um, It was painful to watch. I mean, TFC have had their little moments here and there. Uh, Chicago, yeah, they got their goals, but there's just so much flopping around from them. Like, just... Trying to win fouls and and just not getting on with it. There's just not a any sort of like mental toughness to this team, and and they're really lacking, uh, like a, a a spine to the team. And I mean that in the, in the literal sen- in literal soccer sense of of just like the middle of the park. It just, you know, they've got some good goal scorers. They've they've got certain elements, but just as a team, it it's not there for them. And this one was really kind of painful to watch granted I'll give the one highlight of this game for me is the second Toronto goal that levels it is this really powerful run from Omar Gonzalez um which is just such a well-timed run that he is actually picked up by his defender who sees him but just The run is so powerful and Gonzalez has the height that he's able to get in and and win this header. So I I can't blame Chicago too much for giving up the full points on that particular occasion. But thinking about the larger picture of Chicago um, and going forward, this is something that I really would like to see change from them, is um, a different mentality about how they're constructing their midfield and to see a little bit more... Defensive toughness from this team because they've just been too easy to score against again.
0: (laughs) The uh, the defender picked up uh, Omar Gonzalez in the same way that you or I might pick up an oncoming train. It doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, we observe the approach. There it is. I got this one. (laughs) Yeah. I also loved. I mean, like this is the thing that you mentioned about. the, the goals versus the spine it's like Chris Kata, or sorry not Chris Kata, Alexander Katai's goal is mm-hmm. so the the one that he scored is not just so wonderful but it is so um, like encapsulating of, of what had made Chicago exciting in some of the last couple of seasons that it was really upsetting that we don't see that more often and it's just because they don't like like the way they were able to achieve that was by swinging it around you know, the, the, the top, but they have been so rarely able to get up that far, you know, like push that, yeah. that well, and, and, you know, through the middle
1: and not to oversimplify, but they truly are one of the MLS symbols. I think of that mentality of just put all your money into your attacking players. And then you have the second string defense, which means that you end up with a player like Schweinsteiger playing center pack for half the season. Um, Chicago is always going to be great for having some great goals. and But you're right. This game was a perfect example of beautiful goals and still they came out with nothing but a point because they can't defend.
0: Um, the other team in that Canadian championship picture uh, was Montreal, who, uh, as I mentioned, despite the fact that, Clement Diop had never started for them in the league. They handed him his first start um, in a match against Atlanta, of all people, and he yeah. held them to a point. Yeah.
1: I, this this was wild. Like, <laughs> it, really, <laughs> it really felt like the way that things have been going for Montreal. But as you say, like, hey, winning a cup earlier in the week can certainly help. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, Atlanta being just utterly deflated by New York City FC. I still think Atlanta's a great team and has a great potential to move forward in the playoffs. But this was a really surprising result.
0: Yeah. You have Julian Gressel scoring a phenomenal goal. Love it. He just walks in so smoothly. And, and, And there are so many expensive players in Atlanta that we overlook his contribution sometimes. But that was... One of the one of the better the individual on the floor goals that I've seen all year.
1: Yeah, no, and and I think you're right too to to really emphasize just how I mean Atlanta knows how good Julian Gressel is because he's been a really key player for them. But um, I think it's something that commentators miss sometimes is that he's really part of that engine that that makes them hum.
0: In, in Montreal, get the goal from from Bojan. I think the story here in. Some of it is, some of it is Diop, and some of it is isn't. Is how close Atlanta came here. They had so much pressure. Uh, Barco hit the bar. Vialva had a goal called off or offside, and Diop hit this amazing glove save on Barco again, coming off of a free kick. Yeah, and um,
1: is it, it's almost it's really kind of bittersweet to learn at this point in the season,
0: <laughs> kind of too late. <laughs>
1: And and certainly Evan Bush has been no like slouch this season. He's been fantastic. Um, a couple of questionable moments, but I feel like no more than most good goalkeepers. Like you're not always going to be amazing. Um, but who knew?
0: He earned his he, he earned his keep. And I mean, like at first when when I saw how much people celebrated him, and um, you know, I saw people tweet in French. He should never have to drink in Montreal again. Uh, and, and you wonder if that actually does pan over to the league. But, you know, he is a part of one thing that I'll say about this team. You know, you see the goal from Bojan oh yeah, too. There is a lot here. The You can say emphatically that the capricious move to fire the manager in the hopes of, of motivating the team to qualify for the playoffs has failed. However... Mm-hmm. Um, given an off season for Wilmer Cabrera, there is a lot of wonderful pieces here, um, that could make something very special happen next year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the only slight kink to that plan is that we've said that about Montreal before.
0: That is true. That's true.
1: So it's it's how do you like keep the essential pieces and build on it, right? And there's a number of clubs in the mid table, like Montreal, that just can't seem to squeak above that, right? As they they can't play above their level and they can't seem to hold on to the pieces that really make them so good. Um, like striking the right balance, I suppose.
0: The final game uh, in the East that we haven't talked about. Of course, they were all concurrent, so they were... Who could say which one was the first and which one was the last? Columbus, Philadelphia.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, and... This was... Go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> no, you go. I insist. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't think there was much in this one. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate to to watch Philadelphia. This, they've had a really disappointing finish to the regular season. Um, I, I believe there's still some hope for them, but... You know, a few weeks ago we were talking about Philadelphia Union is really looking like the strongest team in the East and like they could go the distance. And, you know, Columbus, despite having an absolutely horrible season, I thought played this game really well um, and Philadelphia just really getting caught on the counter. Um, Their defensive mids, both goals really weren't back. Um, I don't know if it's quite because they were out of position or because of the counter, but I thought Philadelphia held a good defensive line and Columbus just had two really brilliant plays that were able to, to get them through.
0: Oh, yeah. The, the first one is, is you, you see Zardes runs into the middle, which mm-hmm. pulls everybody with him, yeah. but they, with no intent of getting him involved in any way. He yeah. the, the ball comes up to Santos, has space to play it across the top to Mokhtar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second you have uh, everybody, there's this momentary lapse where the goalkeeper has punched the ball and everybody's mind turns up field.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, crucially, uh, Santos slides the ball in and Will Trap hops over it so that it can pop underneath it.
1: Yeah, and and it goes to show that despite Columbus's many problems this season, is that technically when they can pull things off, they're as good as anyone, uh, in, in terms of how they organize plays. And this was a, a good example of it. But I I I'd hoped for more out of Philadelphia and it's they're starting to feel a little bit like the you know, the limp little balloon with the last bit of air sputtering across the finish line.
0: The while the, uh, the the bus doors have closed, the Eastern Conference, we know who's going to be, we know who the seven teams are, but you can't really say who Philadelphia will be playing because there are so many, uh, there's so much to slide around. Um, you know, is Atlanta or Philadelphia going to be second? Is, D, you know, uh, D.C., New York, Toronto, and New England could all be in, um, any number of order.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So well, and, to, and
1: in the West as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the Busters so, are still open in the West.
1: They sure are. And some pretty interesting results. Um, I want to talk about Minnesota and Sporting Kansas City. Let's do it. Um, so Minnesota, we've talked about, they still have their issues. Let's be clear on that. But... Um, and it's mainly being just very, very asleep on set plays because it's sporting Kansas city that strike first and Minnesota's just all standing sort of watching it happen. And that's just happened too many times. But if you're going to have that happen, it also helps to have a fantastic goalkeeper and Vito Manone has just, he's in such spectacular form right now. And at the perfect time, I mean, he's had some incredible saves in the last couple of weeks and um Ozzie Alonso is just really taken up the mantle of uh Captain Minnesota. Um, it gets them back into it. Still some signs of life from SKC in this midweek game. Um, but I think Minnesota's just finally playing at like the level that we all thought they could get to. And yeah. that's exciting. I I'm really excited to see a Western playoffs where Minnesota starts to shake things up and pick some teams off because uh, you know, when I look at all the teams below them in the table, I go, Minnesota can beat any of these guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was very impressive to see that result against Sporting Kansas City. Um, I felt that their uh, their one one draw with LAFC on the weekend was also like an an example of you know you you put them up against the team that is the best in the league, and they could. Uh, they can push their way. They're 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 second in the conference, and you put the, them up against the team that's first, and they can push them to what would theoretically have been extra time. Yeah,
1: if you
0: if Absolutely. you look at it as it is an audition for that, LA have have um, have secured the supporter shield,
1: very much so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with their with their result. Um in fact through the back league. in
1: April. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know that anybody had really doubted that this team, which has uh sixty nine points, nice, and uh, uh a goal difference of plus forty six. I don't yeah. know that I don't know uh, that it was in doubt. That will
1: be good enough for it for sure.
0: Um and it was exciting to see the it was kind of a three one against Houston. That um, that was a little bit interesting, but you know you didn't see a lot out of that. And then um, you had this one-one draw against um, Minnesota. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if they are beatable, because that does that result doesn't necessarily mean they they almost had a moment where they looked vulnerable, but they you know winning. Winning a trophy, sometimes winning the Supporters' Shield can mean that you, you don't make it. Sometimes it it can really bolster your chances.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, and I truly just sh- sort of shrug my shoulders because it's MLS. So you know that, like, they could steam through the playoffs, get to the end, and farfeit. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. The, the next sort of, like, batch of games is difficult to even know where to start because there's so much at play. And the East is locked down, but we, in the West, we've still got spots, two spots open. And because of the results, uh, basically th- three, I, you could even argue four teams that really needed just to kind of continue and their good form all thoroughly <laughs> flopped over. And <laughs> I'm going to start with Colorado versus Dallas. Um, I thought that, like, Colorado played okay, but this was just so easy for them. And, like, Dallas was a little unlucky. I think there were some calls that maybe could have gone their way. But overall, I don't have anything new to add to Dallas's story that... Um, the fact that they're sitting in seventh place, I just... I find it very hard, short of, of the, the Colorado Rapids and San Jose continuing to lose, Um that Dallas is gonna stay in the playoffs because they just seem to have no fight left in them. This was just all too easy for Colorado, um, who are not mathematically out of it. I think
0: it's gonna be very difficult oh, for but, them to find but, a way in. But they could but, do it. They could yeah, do it. This was this was Tim Howard's this is they they were they were they made very big pains to say that this was Tim Howard's last home game in the regular season. But All Colorado has to do is beat LAFC away and hope that Dallas loses to Sporting Kansas City at home. Simple as, easy as pie. Um, But great, great three goals from Colorado. Uh, Jack Price takes his, takes his shot while he's not even, you know, there's, there's lots of defenders between him and the goal while he's on his run, but he just, he, he, he takes his. He decides this is where he's going to do it at the top of the penalty area, and it makes sense. Um, there was this penalty. Uh, I have here a lot to unpack. It's a penalty for Colorado for handball, but Tommy Smith. They're asking if he's offside, but he's not off. He's so offside, he's over the touch line when he plays the ball. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, the penalty, regardless of whether or not you agree with being given, is saved. So. Yeah, just a lot happens. Yeah, and
1: this is where I go. It's it's really not a great game from Colorado. A great game probably <laughs> should have been six nothing. But um, hey, anyway, anyhow, um, San Jose continues to to flounder. Uh, there's one.
0: There's one oh. more play that I wanted to to mention here that mm-hmm. I thought was, was so hilarious was uh, the the Rubio uh, goal was scored uh, and I'm looking for the I'm looking for the the specific name of the player so that I can um I can comment on the play in its glory. Rubio is a is Diego Rubio is about to take the free kick and Jack or no the the free kick is about to be taken and Jack Price strides towards the goal at full pace and turns aside at the last minute and Diego Rubio comes up behind him. And- yeah, and and uh, and and smashes it a goal. I think. No, uh, no, that's not the Rubio goal, but that was one of my favorite free kick maneuvers I've
1: seen this year. Oh yeah, yeah, it's such a bizarre play, and and really does fool them <laughs> on this. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. That was a cute play.
0: Um. All right, we've got um the. The the team that did get their result was RSL, who beat Houston two one with an amazing goal from Baird in the opening forty seconds. He he did it's like there's two there's two goals there's two goal types that I see and they just feel to me like the most MLS goals that I can possibly imagine. One of them is going to the byline and playing back into the center, and the other one is taking the ball off of some midfielder who's not thinking and then running halfway down the pitch and scoring. And that's exactly what Baird does to open the game here.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, th- this was also Nick Romando's send-off at home as well, right? This is his last home game appearance.
0: Oh, no. So that
1: w- that's it for, uh, for his time in MLS, which feels like just impossible to imagine an RSL without him. So I'm really glad RSL got the win for no other reason than um, both last home games for our two retiring goalkeepers. They got a win, which I, I think is always fitting for a goalkeeper's final game. Um, which also raises questions because, of course, Vancouver Whitecaps' last home game is against RSL. So RSL has some work to do. Um, however... I, It feels at this point that they're... um, Well, I mean, it doesn't feel like they have clinched, but um, their form is still kind of (laughs) okay. We'll see what happens.
0: Vancouver is a little bit harder to to, to pin down as a team, as you know, because LA Galaxy came into into their match against Vancouver, uh, and and Vancouver won in California 4-3. This team... This team that, that that at this point is all they're all just bonus games. They're what just bonus chances live? to see the White Caps because you like to, to watch a White Caps game, not not for any particular purpose. But they score you know, uh um, Daniil Henry scores with his face, not with his head. The ball comes the defender tries to clear it and he bounces it in. Important and then and then the the, the tie up goal is uh the tie-up goal is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Just two, two very similar strikers. <laughs> 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 and, and that's kind of what this, this game was to me, was this, this aspect of every time Vancouver scored, it was like, really? We have the lead? And then we lost the lead, and it was like, ah, oh, that makes sense. And then we did Vancouver scores again, and it's like,
1: they got the lead? <laughs> Yeah, and truly, like, when Chris Pontius scores in the 86th minute, and you're just like, what is even happening? You're like, okay, truly, it's done and dusted. Um, we showed Theo Bear had a great goal. To St. Ricketts had a great goal. Like, we, the crazy thing is that Vancouver scored four goals. The crazier thing is that Vancouver scored four great goals.
0: It's true. Well, three great goals. But that, that Daniel Henry Watt is, is, is...
1: Okay, is... sure. <laughs>
0: Uh, but Three you're absolutely goals. right. Like, the, the like, Imbalm, Imbalm, and that that winning goal, and this is, we talk over and over again, and they referenced, you know, Dos Santos, uh, Mark DeSantos Santos saying that L.A. is a horrid team defensively. And this was, if you think of L.A. going into the playoffs, they oh. are 3-3 in injury time. Imbalm and Chirinos are on a 2 on nothing with the keeper, with about what felt like a half an hour to just calmly stroll down the bench to do it in, and it was shi- the slowest break I've ever, th- I think I've ever seen.
1: And to shift focus for a second back to LA Galaxy, um, I mean they they won their midweek game, but you know whatever, <laughs> it wasn't a t- particularly uh, impressive win. And as you said, heading into the playoffs, I mean, yes, they've clinched, but they're they're sliding down and making their lives really difficult. Even Ibrahimovic said they didn't deserve any points out of this one. In the seventy fifth minute, when your center backs are cramping, that's not good enough. Like if you don't have a center back that can run a full ninety, and defend the likes of uh, Inbam and Chirinos, who are not and Montero, like, not particularly fast players. Like, we subbed off all our fast players by the 70th minute. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's center backs down on the ground cramping up and not able to run anymore is just completely unacceptable levels of fitness and uh, is going to cause major problems for LA Galaxy. And I, I feel somewhat vindicated in the fact that they're going to get knocked out of the playoffs easily. They're, defensively, they're just terrible they, they have no real structure to their defense and the fitness levels are clearly not there it was so easy for vancouver to score um and it, we had to do it and had to score the goals take nothing away from that achievement but um yeah <laughs> this game you was have- like another another one where i just like was laughing through the whole thing like what <laughs> is happening
0: huh? You had a San Jose who badly needs results, and I would say, of the uh, as you see the the, the Western table uh, firm up. I'm excited to see you know what Portland can do when they're there. Like you, I'm kind of feeling 50-50 on Dallas, um, or you know, I'm not feeling that passionately about Dallas. And I would love yeah. to see San Jose in that spot. But for San Jose in that spot, they got a win games, and they lost at home to Seattle.
1: Yeah, and they lost midweek to Philadelphia. Um, the greatest play of the week, truly, by San Jose. Actually, the greatest play of the week by any player in MLS, nay, any league, was Chris Wondolowski's goal celebration that you sent me <laughs> in the game against Philadelphia. Because last week we know that Wondolowski got sent off from the bench, which was earned his first red card ever, and... Um, not even being on the field, but from the bench, and so he makes his way into the supporter section for this game, and just tell our listeners what happens if they did not he get the witness. He went this. for it.
0: He went for it. He was he is standing with the 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 ultras. I'm I believe he he stood. He was there for the full ninety. And when I can't remember what goal it is. It's a he Jackson y- y- Ewell. Ewell scores. And he just hauls his jersey off, not in not in a fluid movement at the least. He, nope. he he hauls his he hauls his shirt off and just throws it in the air, just just spins it in the air back and forth. His whole hollering like a war Viking. Just yeah. if just... you thought Wondolowski
1: was scary when he scores a goal, oh my god! <laughs> when he's in the stands and sees a teammate score. Wondolowski needs to be like when he if he ever retires, he needs to be like the team mascot. Is that the
0: is that the statue?
1: (laughs) I think it is. I think we have our statue. statue. Is him trying is him like so angry excited he can't pull off his own shirt in celebration. (laughs) He's stuck in his own shirt. The thing for me about San Jose that makes me somewhat not so optimistic that they are going to turn things around and take this last playoff spot from Dallas is just that the thing that's killing them is man marking in the box. It's just so awful that, uh, you know, they've got all the other ingredients of a good team and and a good system, but they've lost five in a row and just time and time again, it's just simple, simple man marking in the box that... Whatever system they're they say they're doing, which they say is a man marking system, or no is it a zonal marking system is that right
0: uh yes, this is a man it's it's a it's a man marking it, it's like a man to man system so so it's not just man marking but it's, every player is locked on to another player I believe this right.
1: Yeah, well, it sure didn't work in either of their games this week, either against Philadelphia or Seattle. So, there's that.
0: Well, I mean, they're going to... Uh, San Jose will be playing Portland in their last game and aided in the fact that Portland will be missing Brian Fernandez in uh, due to receiving a, a second yellow in a game that was uh, a right debacle in its own right. Oh, yeah. My... This- uh, Three red cards.
1: Three red cards. This was two not great teams slugging it out for kind of nothing, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so the result stands. Uh, you know, four goals. So it was good that the fans had something to cheer on. Did uh, I, I do think that the Fernandez red is a is a little bit stupid. Like I think he's it's like a slap to the back of the head or a little headbutt. I don't see it. I think this is just a yellow. I, think. I
0: saw it. I saw it on the, and I thought back to our discussion of you just can't touch. I know it's not the face. Sure. But no face touches. No, no face. head touches. All right. Just don't get it up there.
1: Fair enough. He's up in the grill, so he's off. Um, the Espinosa one absolutely makes sense. <laughs> that is the red, readiest red card I've ever seen. Just so red. So red. Um, and then Ile sent off, Ilea is the, for the shirt grab that is unquestionably a red as well. Sporting Kansas City is just all kinds of... The wheels are so far off the cart, I'm starting to worry about Peter Vermees' job. Like, there's just no discipline on this team. And, uh, you know, Espinosa I think, now has the most red cards in MLS history, I believe, or he's getting there, um, that they really, really need to take a hard look at themselves because SKC had so much going. It was such a good team and such a great system. And they've just seemed to have forgotten themselves uh, this season. Um, Portland hasn't fared much better. (laughs) Speaking of teams that have forgotten themselves. And this is the thing. It's Peter Vermees versus um, Savarese. Like, you think that there would be, like, this should be a clash of the Titans. Instead, it's like two wet farts meeting in a dark room. (laughs) It was not good.
0: Don't like it. The other the other note for MLS we missed it in the Eastern Conference. New York Three. Ripples, Nil, D C United, Nil, uh very much building to, I think, a potential meeting um in the playoffs should that occur. Uh neither side giving anything up and, and and they are if if results hold as they are now, they will face each other very much an early, very much an opening, you know. A, a, a tense thing with nothing on the line, or where, where nobody will will budget Yeah, the the big NWSL result of the week was that um, the Rain faced the Portland Thorns uh, in a in a match I got a chance to get a look at. Um, in they set their own uh, the the soccer record for the stadium they play in, in Tacoma with uh, an attendance of uh, in the seven thousand. Range. They beat nice. Portland two nothing. Tidally done um, with a, with a great goal by by Jody Taylor, and um, it was you know this was one of the you know uh, when you see um, Megan Rapinoe get more and more minutes, uh, mm-hmm. you're you're interested to see what happens. But the, the one of the real stories of the season has been Bethany Balser, who comes in. Um, as a sub in the 74th minute, she's a rookie in the league, and she gets the goal here that confirms the result and also uh, ushers them into the NWSL playoffs. And Portland are in a really rough spot because they were the, the number one team in the league. They had those tough losses to North Carolina, including the 6-0 loss. Um, they had uh, Lin- they had Lindsay Hernan come out of the game. Uh, or wait, no, maybe not. Oh, that wasn't one of the, maybe actually after they were out of subs, because I remember there was a, there was a, a tough looking injury. Um, and they could still finish fourth and have to go face North Carolina in the first round. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they can turn it around. They were not, they they seem like they've been knocked into a funk. They weren't playing Tobin Heath. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the final round of games for NWSL and to see if, if they can put somebody in that final round that will, um, if, if somebody will be there that can give North Carolina any trouble. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And until the, uh, the decisive round of decision day games, (laughs)
1: really, really decisive.
0: When can we find you online?
1: You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS and not sharing any opinions about anything Canadian soccer. Where can we find you?
0: You can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Uh, if you are in one of our listeners in St. John, um, come on out on October 5th and October 9th to watch the UMB St. John Seawolves in uh, in games in which I will be doing stadium announcements. yeah, you can hear my mellifluous voice uh, announce the goal scorers, read the team sheets, and um, valiantly try to see who is substituted, given that there is no subs board at the venue. <laughs> <laughs> well, next next
1: show, I want to hear more about it. I love that you're doing this. I'm all about it. And until next time, don't touch the face. Don't touch the
0: face or the back of the head.
1: (laughs) And just stay away from anything above the shoulders. Don't tussle the hair.